Let's thank him again. There is none like him. No one to be compared with him. He's the Almighty. He's the only King that rules over all other kings. His name is Adonai, the Great Master. Only Him can give life, preserve life, sustain life, and takes life when He wants. For giving us life back to worship Him, can you thank Him and appreciate Him? None like Him. That's what our song say. the last song. There's nobody to be compared with Him. Oh, we worship You, Father. We exalt You. We magnify You. Summarize your prayer. Heavenly Father, we return our praise, worship, and adoration to you this evening again for bringing us into your presence to prepare us for your second coming. Lord, we are here as your children. May it please you, just as a father instructs his children. Instruct us this evening. Guide us to your perfect will. May we revive what is dying in our spiritual lives. So that we can be what you have called us to be. In Jesus mighty name we have prayed. Amen. Amen. We are still talking about this great theme. Revive thy work. O Lord, in the midst of the years. This evening, I want to show you, you know, foundation takes time. Yesterday we overshot a little, but this evening we are going to be strict with our time and timing. But there are four basic areas. We need revival as God directed me. Four basic areas. Not all. It's not exhaustive. But God said for this evening, we're going to address four areas. We, re- we need to look into our lives again. Check what is happening. Are we still there? Are we still standing where God wants us to stand. Are there things we need to put again so that we can function optimally for God? Because the truth of the matter is that God, I don't know whether it was in the morning I said it, God is in their need of active functional Christians in every sphere of life. As a full-time pastor, God is looking for pastors who will show others the way to do it. God's way, because we have shifted the spiritual boundary enough, and it's becoming dangerous. Like yesterday we were talking about the issue of liberalism. We really need to look at it, what it has done. You know, the word liberalism came finally 
from the doctrine of the postmodernism. Those that believe that everything needs to be changed, including the Bible. That's why overseas now in the Western world, we are talking about the revisionist agenda. People who are rewriting the Bible. There are some things they said they, they are not fit for the modern man again. That they need to remove it. Recently there is a Bible day. I don't know whether they finally produced it, but I come across the advanced copy of the Bible. And everywhere you see the word sin and fornication, they removed it. It's still a Bible. That's why if you want to buy a Bible today, you have to be really careful. Anywhere you see sin, they replace it with deficient character. That's what they call sin. <laughs> sin. When you talk about fornication, they call it mismanaged form. Form, mismanaged. If you don't manage your form well, it's not good, it's not good, man. They now change the one, anywhere they see he for God, they put she. No, after I will look for the main copy, if you like, I send you one. If they have produced it finally. We are in a very dangerous age. People are no, you know, you are even talking about Bible. Even in our baptismal, um, order of service. In some churches in England now, you don't ask the godparents, will you renounce Satan and the evil forces that war against us? You don't, you don't try it. Why will you embarrass somebody by asking me if you will renounce Satan? Will you live a good life so that the church will feel the love of God? They say, I will. So when we talk of revival, you may be in your little corner, especially in Africa. That's why I tell them, I don't pray to live abroad. I've never prayed that prayer and I will never pray it. I am satisfied with going there for holidays, endure their problem for one month, and run back. Because there are things they have removed from Christianity. There are things you do not preach against sin. My friend who was ministering in the Assemblies of God Church in America last two years, he was invited by another Assemblies of God Church pastor. So immediately the pastor inside the church on a Sunday, immediately he finished preaching as he was stepping outside when the service ended. He was arrested. Assemblies of God. Why? He preached against homosexuality inside the church and arrested him. That is where we are now. So that when we borrow this extreme pleasure Christianity, some of us who travel far and wide know the devastation it has done to Christianity. Extreme pleasure, no control, no limit, no boundary. Do it the way you feel. I feel good Christianity. No, we need revival. 
I know that Sunday we are singing, or we don't sing it again. Give me old time religion. Give me old time religion. Give me back old time religion. Is good and enough for me. Do you still hear that song? No, everything I double, double. Everything I double, including prayerlessness, double, double. So we, we really need to look at which areas are we getting it wrong? Which areas I, as a pastor, as a preacher, need God to bring me back? Let's go. Just four areas, there are so many areas, but for the purposes of this meeting, or this fellowship and revival, we take four. Where God started to direct me, can we look at Matthew chapter 28? Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 to 20. 18 to 20. Okay, let's read the whole episode there from 16. Matthew 28, 16, so that we get the background story of the whole thing. Then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee. That was after Jesus was crucified. Into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. Told them to go and wait for him there. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Verse 19. That's where the challenge is. Go ye therefore. My own said it somewhere, but I don't know if you have King, New King James Version or any other version here. NIV? Anybody? Anybody? Just read verse 19 for us. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. Thank you. You know, there is something the old King James omitted, why I wanted to be read in another. The old King James said, Go ye therefore and teach all nations. He didn't say, first of all, make disciples. So that's why you read the Bible with different versions for comparison. Go therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the year. Do you know one thing we need to look at as Christians, where we need revival, is personal witnessing. Can you look into the present day church 
And you see, it's becoming a forgotten lifestyle. Let's, let's bring it down here. How many of us here who are believers, who are Christians, when last did you personally go out to evangelize on person to person note? When last did you do it? You consciously went somewhere or to somebody to speak with this person the gospel of the kingdom. When last did you do it? And in this place we read, it is called the Great Commission. Listen, we are not saved for jamboree. There's something the Salvation Army people put on the shoulder of their white uniform, SS. When I was asking some of my friends in Salvation Army, when I ministered there, they said, what is the meaning? They said, it has two meanings. Saved to save others. Or saved to serve. Every believer who has genuinely met Jesus, it is incumbent on me and you, without excuse, that we must go out on personal witness. You know, this idea of crusade, 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 we gather, we, we ask God, what can you do for us? Because we are turning God into our servant. When we repented newly, there was this rampant topic that we are being taught. Anywhere we go on convention, you can hardly go on any convention or conference without that topic. The man God uses. They taught us that topic very well so that you prepare for action, prepare for outreach, prepare for mission, prepare for evangelism and know that's why you are saved. But for me now, we are becoming the men that use God. Whenever we gather, what can God do for us? Lord, I have come with my load of troubles. Oh yeah? Come now, begin to offload them. But that's not it. The essence of Christianity is for spiritual reproduction and fruitfulness. That's why if you are born again here, hear me out. It's a serious matter. And you still find it difficult to share your faith on personal level with people, your Christianity has a question mark. Take it or leave it. This is a revival program. It's not coming to shout and go. We really need to look into our lives. I remember those days you would board a vehicle, like I was sharing in the morning, that time they banned preaching in trackers and then tracko. But I didn't care as a young undergraduate. I said, I paid to board this vehicle, so you can't stop me from preaching. The only thing is you will persecute me. We bought that vehicle. You can't travel as a believer comfortably 
from here to Onesia, from here to Abakliki, from here to above, from, and you sit down there for this one, two hours, three, without opening your mouth to speak the gospel. No, that time, there will be something like fire burning in you that you are disobedient. What has killed that fire now? Utility gospel. That time, once you see a brother, he has his shit, you must see tracks on his breast pocket. Once he sits down, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. And that time, you see Christianity advancing with serious result. Brothers and sisters, what has killed personal witnessing in the church? If you want to see the, the enormity of this matter now, let us say, okay, for this evening we are no longer going to preach. Let us share in the grace. Every one of us, we are moving to the street of Enugu now for personal evangelism. How many will remain? Before we get to which junction is that, Utiba, more than half have disappeared. Because it's either you are not a Christian at all, or you are living a compromising life that you are afraid. You may be preaching to somebody, and you have messed up where that person is. That's one great advantage of personal witnessing. It makes your life to be on the watch. Everybody around in the office, you have told them about Jesus. So anything you do in that office, they say, ah, you are coming late. Yesterday you told us lateness is sin. That's the advantage. Do you know why we live the way? Or in the school, you're a student, you have spoken to your cosmate or lodge mate or hostel mate on personal note about Jesus and how you should comport yourself in the exam hall and you come into the exam hall and start to cheat. Somebody will touch you. Ah, sister, waiting now. Sister, waiting over you. Tell us. To avoid such embarrassment, we have thrown personal witnessing overboard. Let me show you the people that will challenge us on the last day. Can we go to Acts of the Apostles, chapter 8? Personal evangelism. That's why true Christianity is becoming endangered species now. Endangered species. Can you look at verse 4? Acts chapter 8 verse 4. You see the situation under which these people were operating, yet they knew they were saved for this purpose. The Bible said, Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere. Doing what? Can I hear you? Doing what? Let me ask you, what scattered them? What? Now, let me take a new question. Why do we not experience serious persecutions as Christians now? Have you thought about it? In your office, everybody is moving along freely with you. What is wrong? As a student in your hostel, everybody likes you, even though you claim to be born again. Everybody is so happy with you. What is the problem? 
This was when Saul, he had not been converted here. Somebody was killed. If you read verse 1, it says, And Saul was consenting unto his death. Whose death? Stephen. What was his offense? The gospel. Stephen was preaching the gospel. He said, don't do this. Don't live this way. Don't do that. And he said, in the course of the whole thing, I saw heaven open and Jesus sitting at the right hand side of God. And he said, what? And they came to stone him. And if you look at that verse 1, after concern, he said, and at that time, there was a great what? Persecution against the church which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. And that's why verse 4 now said, Therefore they that were scattered everywhere, they didn't say, let's keep quiet for some time, let's use sense to do this thing. So that when the persecution subsides, we start again. Say, as they are running for their lives, they are carrying their Bible, shouting the same thing for which they are being chased. Why is the church losing that focus now? Why are we no longer enthusiastic as believers to share our faith with other people? Continue with that verse, verse 4 of that chapter 8. Acts chapter 8, verse 4. He said, they scattered everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of what? Samaria. And preached what there? He didn't go there to tell them story. He went to preach Christ. Philip was running for his dear life. But with the Bible in his hand. Knowing that the only usefulness of a believer is the impact you make for the kingdom while you are alive. It's not the amount of miracles you receive. This thing we are running from pillar to post. It is the impact you make. How many converts? You know when we sing some hymns or some songs. I begin, do we really check these hymns? Must I go? An empty handed must I meet my Savior so not one soul with which to greet him must I empty handed that was when believers had burden that the assignment in their hands was dying. That's personal witnessing. Some of you, when we pray at times, people will put their hands in the pocket. And say, oh, inside the church, you are praying because John Knox, one of the great revivalists and prayer warriors, John Knox prayed that prayer. He was on a mission to Scotland after his conversion. And there was grievous persecution against Christians all over the place, including Scotland. 
In fact, it was a death sentence for you to begin to preach Christ openly. But John Knox was ran to Scotland as a missionary. He began to preach one-on-one, one-on-one. After staying in Scotland for about a year and eight months, John Knox did not make a convert. And one day, he was married at that point by the history we read. One day he woke up in the morning, the wife served, decided to bring his breakfast. You know, the, the Westerners, they take breakfast very early. Between 6 and 7.30, that's the normal time for their breakfast. So, but the, the story has it that John Knox got up that morning, was sitting down on a couch. And the wife said, darling, can you come and have breakfast? He said, no, I just want to spend a few hours in prayer. I will eat in next one or two hours. Just drop the breakfast. And the story has it that John Knox went into prayer. What was his prayer point? God, give me Scotland or I die. This man wept and prayed from that time until the wife came back to knock and said, what is it? And he was weeping profusely by the record of the wife. Say, my husband was screaming and weeping at the point I became worried. And he went back to knock and said, what is it? Every problem can be fixed. You know, trying to console him. The man just summarized his prayer and come out. I said, oh, I'm sorry, my darling. I was pouring my heart to God. Can I take my breakfast now? You know what? The wife said, which breakfast? And he looked at the wall clock there. It was around 6.15 p.m. A man that knelt around 7 a.m. Pouring his heart that he hadn't made a convert. Preaching the gospel. And that was the outbreak of the revival in Scotland. People wept out their heart. Do we still have passion for souls? Many of us are barren and fruitless Christians making empty noise. Persecution. Even when we have what it takes. As a student, I keep on telling people, that's why I love somewhere every fellowship is good to me. But when I look at the way scripture is known and full gospel is operating, in full gospel, you minister to people of your own class. If you are a medical doctor, when you talk to a fellow doctor and he wants to, he doesn't know, he wants to raise another and stop that nonsense, you rephrase, he says, sorry, what do you do? I'm a medical doctor. It's okay. You are even still writing a little exam for your residency. I'm a consultant. Can you listen to me? He said, we calm down. He said, we calm down. I just say, this year, this time that young people become professors at 38, 40, and you just dress and come in somewhere, and you say, oh, young people, can you give your life to Jesus? Hey, my friend, stop that nonsense while you're disturbing us. Like one boy challenged me one year. I was preaching, the boy was so angry. He said, preacher, I listened to you in a university. I listened to you, you were making sense in what you were saying. But when you talked about judgment after life, 
I said, you have missed it. He said, there is nothing. Once you die, you die. So forget it, sir. I wasn't pre- putting on any priestly garment. I was preaching just like that. I said, there is nothing like life after that. You know, the boy was trying to prove to me. I said, excuse me, what do you study? He said, ah, I'm a second year law student. He said, second year. Is he second year lawyer? Or law student? He said, oh, I'm a law student. I said, do you know when I left university, your mother has not married? Do you know my, how many degrees I have? He said, so what? I said, as I talk to you now, I have six degrees from different disciplines. Can you listen to me? He said, sorry, sir. Just undergraduate, you are not even ready, sure of graduation. And you are causing trouble. What is that showing us? Any privilege God gives you is a tool for personal Evangelism. If you're a beautiful young girl, that's a wonderful thing. These boys that pitch around, oh, will you be my this? Will you be my dad? They say, oh, come, come, can we talk? And he will proudly come to talk. He says, as I look at you now, I see God loving you so much. As I look at you now, I see somebody that God is too, too proud that he doesn't want you to perish. He can't go away because you're beautiful. At least admiring you and listening to you. That's a true. But how do you use it? The world will try to push you. How can a beautiful girl like you begin to talk about Jesus? And who should talk about Jesus? Ugly people. If ugly people, you know, Satan is satanic in himself. If ugly people come to preach to you, you will complain. Why are you carrying Bible along? Maybe I don't blame you because you are very ugly. Then beautiful people will come. He said, look at you as beautiful as you are. You are carrying Bible. Then who will carry the Bible? Brothers and sisters, this is the revival we have come to look at. L- let's look at what people... No, we have not finished our place. What Philip did. The Bible says in verse 6, And the people with one accord gave heed to those things which Philip spoke, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. Follow me to verse 26, the same chapter 8. Personal witnessing. God is lamenting many of us. God is regretting many of our salvation. We are becoming wastages in the hand of God. Because of the new brand of Christianity that has no kingdom agenda in focus. Look at verse 26. And the angel of the Lord spoke unto Philip saying, Arise, and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto where? Gaza, which is desert. Listen, brothers and sisters, when you read some things in the Bible, you think they are telling you move from Chapel of his resurrection to shop right. When you read Bible at times, use map. Use map to read. And you see the distance these people we are covering. It wasn't a picnic mission. From Jerusalem to Gaza is a well high profile 
distance. And remember, Philip had no private jet. Philip had not no chariot. He had to trek it. That was the heartbeat of God. So willing is the heartbeat of God. Listen to me. If you pray for the blind to see, if they see, that's okay. But it doesn't move heaven. The only thing that moves heaven by God's standard is when one sinner comes back to God through your preaching and witnessing. Since you repented or since you claim to be a Christian, can you remember how many converts you have made? The distance he moved from Jerusalem unto Gaza. Remember, the next thing you see there, which is a desert. To move in a desert, whether you even have a chariot, is a three very terrible uphill task and journey. Then if you move in a desert, on foot, I pity you. You need a special brand of sandals that is very thick, which the desert heat cannot melt. Some of us here who have gone to Dubai, that is what they call when you go for picnic, when you want to go for, for relaxation. That is what we usually do when we go there. We call it desert cruise. We go for desert cruise. You will know what desert is. When you are in desert cruise for around 1 p.m. and 2 p.m., you will appreciate what it took for personal evangelism of Philip to take place. What has the gospel taken you? What has preaching done to you, personal preaching? Moving from class to class as a student, lecturer, you have these young people there. You don't have time to preach. Oh, the government will take my work if I talk about Jesus in the lecture hall. Says who? Since they took away Bible from American schools, the boys and girls brought in guns and are shooting one another. Why cultism is going on unabated or abated in our universities? It has Christian lecturers and Christian non-tutorial staff have never developed a disturbing burden to minister to these young boys and girls. I know one sister one day, a pastor was posted to their parish. And that pastor is a very big celebrated womanizer. Pastor, womanizer. One day he took ill. And this sister is what, is it is or was now? Mommy is your cousin. Is, is, is she still a nurse? Has she retired? She's a nurse. So in that church, the, 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 the pastor went to the hospital after everything. They gave, because of his work, they gave him some injections that he will be taking morning and evening. So that he won't be coming to the hospital. He should look for a qualified nurse to be administering the injection. So the sister was called. And she was going to administer the injection with my wife. By that time I have not married her. 
and we are space stars. You know, every opportunity is an advantage for gospel. You know, when they want to preach, she advised the sister. So this man, he's our priest. How do we preach the gospel to him? Now you are giving him injection. This is what you do. Once you clean the area and put the syringe, he said, excuse me, sir, are you aware that that thing, that thing you are doing with this girl is sin? Do you know that fornicators will go to her? You are holding him to ransom. <laughs> and that's what we, we are doing to the man. So anyone that says, yes, I know, only that I cannot help it. Do you, are you ready to repent of it? He said, God helping me, I will repent. They are holding him. That's an advantage. If he refuses, you, you remove your injection and go home. So opportunities we have, we mess it around. Opportunities. Philip had to move to a desert for how many people? City-wide crusade? How many persons? One soul is so precious to God. One soul. He went to a desert because of one man. And let's read down. And he arose. When they say, which is desert? Verse 27 said, And he arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, an eunuch of great, great authority, under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasury, treasure, had come to Jerusalem for to worship. Listen, in our church, let's use this chapel as instance. When we worship, do you really pray, God, open my eyes to those in this chapel that are not born again? When did you pray that prayer last? That's why we need revival. We have fallen. We are only making noise everywhere. God is weeping. God is weeping. Because of us. And look at what it says. He went and verse 28 said, And the man was returning and sitting in his chariot and was reading Isaiah, the book of Isaiah the prophet. This man was a sincere worshiper, but he didn't understand what he was reading. He needed somebody who had burden for soul winning to go to him. Not religious men who would only be interested for his money or on his money in the church. Telling him how good he is. You know, the man was a minister for finance. So if such will come to our church today, you can know the kind of treatment he will be given. Nobody will preach to him. That's my burden. When I speak with my brothers and bishops, and fellow preachers. I said, do you see these heavy donors in our churches? If any of them goes to hellfire, God will deal with us mercilessly. Because they have brought what they have. Their money is what they have. Now we in the hem of affairs of the church, do we give them what they need, which is the gospel? We collect their money, help them, call them big names, give them big titles. They die, we go there and supervise over their sent forth to hellfire in the name of burial. And in addition, their children will give us envelope to thank us for killing their father in hell. It's not a, it's not a laughing matter. It's not a laughing matter. That's why any rich man that is close to me, I must find a way to preach 
decisive gospel, not general gospel. Because this man will point at me on the last day. I say I was donating heavily in your diocese. Did you tell me about Jesus and hellfire? The world is coming to an end. Take it or leave it. Christians are busy pursuing irrelevances and frivolities. And millions are ending in hell every day. Millions. And you call yourself a Christian without one. One week, no evangelism. Two weeks, no personal witnessing. You should be ashamed that you call yourself a Christian. Do you know what it takes these boys who are in Boko Haram to travel in the desert to destroy? Do you know that some of them stay two months without eating any meaningful food? Because they are pursuing the agenda of their father, the devil. And we are sitting comfortably in air-conditioned churches. You know, when we lose sight of mission, we look for comfort even in the church. Everywhere now. Sorry, let me look around before I say this one. Everywhere now. Believe, oh, this church is hot, man. We need to put air condition so that those who come to worship will be comfortable. Is the church a hotel? You can't be in a place for three hours worshiping God. Go to your air condition. And the unfortunate thing is that those who are propagating this air conditioned church don't have one in their houses. One of my synods, a man came, synod of the diocese, the man came. I said, Bishop, you are doing a good work. In this cathedral, you are completing your cathedral. I will make sure we put a condition holy in that cathedral. And I have a massive cathedral that can comfortably take three to 4,000 worshippers at a time. And the man said, I will so much put a condition here and everywhere will be cheered. I thanked him. After the synod, he sent somebody from Lagos. They now costed the whole thing and it was coming to 22 or 28 million. I said, oh, come. I don't need this air condition. Can you bring this money so that we can do other things, mission and evangelism? After all, I stay in the village. These old women, what are they doing with it? What if they die here because of cold? What will I tell God? And the man was angry. He said, well, if you don't want air condition, I won't come back. you leave it like that. I said, sir, the church is not for that. Some of you may dispute me, but I don't care. The kind of things you are bringing into the church, wasting church fund. Instead of going out there, how, where has the gospel tract, gospel tract production, why has it died? That if somebody cannot preach boldly, that person can at least do what? Share tracts. This is the core area we need to revive at. The church is dying in our hands and we are full of noise, memorizing every kind of music that comes from abroad and we sing and vibrate and God is a useless, disobedient, rebellious worshippers. Look at people dying there. Look at the next trend of things now. Suicide among young people. Can you give them the gospel? 
if they have heard about Jesus, that he can give them hope. Why are they committing suicide? Because of you. Because of me. Nobody goes out to preach. Look at the level of drug abuse and misuse among young people now. When I read these things, I say, where is the Christians of, or where are the Christians of this generation? Why are these things happening under our watch and we don't feel disturbed? The Bible says, he that winneth soul is, what is the opposite now? He that does not win soul is fool. If you are here and you are not a soul winner, God says you, not me, said it. You are a fool. You are useless in my hand. That's the why we are here about. Don't be offended. But if you like, be offended so that you can repent. Why are we so complacent in Zion? When we are sleeping, Satan, when we, you know, whenever I preach anywhere, there's one, one prayer I make, Lord, anywhere I am invited to preach, no matter who is there, help me not to waste that opportunity discussing irrelevances. Because men are dying every day. Do you know the number of millions of people that die every day and end up in hellfire? Why are we sitting comfortably in Zion and things are being destroyed? Philip went to the man. What did he tell the man? Look at the way some of us don't even know how to evangelize. Some of you will see the man as a repent or you perish. The man will say, God punish your father. Because I was listening to a man one day, he was complaining and said, look, since I stopped listening to Morning Cry, so every morning there is this particular lady, I don't know her, I live in the second floor of that street, that house. Every morning, I will switch on my radio to listen to cool music, but when I see somebody, hear somebody say, I will switch off, I say, let me hear the word of God. The first thing I hear every day is you. Hellfire is for you. God will punish you. Except you repent, you have no hope in your life. Early morning. Because you don't know how to evangelize. You think it is when you cause people that they repent. You see the friendliness of, uh, what is his name? Philip. He went near the chariot. Excuse me, sir. And I like the way English, old King James put it. Understandest thou what thou readest? The man said, How can I understand except someone teaches me? And Philip went. The man said, Come up. He has created a rapport. Evangelism needs rapport. Approach. If you read the approach of Jesus to the Samaritan woman, if many of us would pray to that woman, that woman would have become more hardened. Because immediately you see her, ah, this one, I am prostitute, I'm coming to draw water. Will this water survive? I don't have anything to do with prostitutes, men. You can draw after I will come tomorrow. The Bible says, Separate yourself. Do not be unequally. 
hundred believers. Adiuba will say, if Christianity is your own, go to heaven with your brothers and sisters. Leave me alone. But Jesus said, woman, you come to draw water, how are you? Can you give me water to drink? Say, sure. This man, I know you. You are a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. How can a Jew ask water from a Samaritan, a Samaritan woman? Don't you know that Jews and Samaritans don't talk? Jesus said, yes, madam. Well, if you don't want to give me this water, that is the one I will give you. If you drink it, if anybody drinks your water, we will come back here tomorrow. If you drink my own, you will never come back here. But from your belly, fountains of living water. Because the woman said, water, that type is in existence. Can you give me that one? You see the relationship. And immediately Jesus said, well, I'll give you this water. Go, call your husband. He was digging into something. And the woman opened up. I said, okay, sir, husband. Get you can't get husband in Amelia. Well, before I get my husband, you may disappear. Let me tell you the truth. I don't have husband. You see the, the, the way it's going. You don't win somebody. You don't create a rapport or cordial communication with. Some of us have very aggressive character in the name of preaching. Very aggressive. Once that person makes a contribution and it's not bought again, you cancel the contribution. So what have an unbeliever to offer me? Immediately woman say, I have no I have no husband. Say, you have said the truth. Madam, let me give you further explanation. You have lived with five men. In fact, you found the newest one now. None of them is your husband. He didn't call her prostitute. But that analysis shows that that woman was a what? A prostitute. Whenever I go there to read about evangelism, this is the curtain. Don't worry, we will close with the other three. Not that they are not important. I can continue with them tomorrow during church service. But this is where God says, Son, you people are failing me. Millions are ending in hellfire and they are jumping up. The way Jesus approached the woman, created rapport. And what I want priests and preachers is what that woman said. It's an indictment on her priests when she made a confession. When Jesus said, you have heard this and that, I started talking to her, started to, I said, we are waiting for the Messiah. I said, he who talks to you, I am the Messiah. And the woman said, serious. He, she left her water pot. I hope that's what the Bible says. What did she do? Ran to who? To who? To the village. Which village? Read your Bible well. The Bible says she left her water pot and ran to the men. To the men. Which men? Her same partners. If you claim to be a Christian here and you have not gone to your former same partners, you are a joker. You 
must go back to them. The woman ran to the men. Go and check that Bible. He said, to the men. He didn't say go to the village. And do you know her salmon? Pastors who are here, men of God who are here, do you know what the woman said? He said, come and see a man who has told me all things that I ever did. Can this be the... What do you get out of it? Every Saturday she went to the synagogue to worship. And the priest will be telling her empty stories. That day she met a preacher who told her reality. And she had to run to the men and tell them, Look, this is the man that has preached a meaningful sermon to me. All these jamborees, they tell me on the pulpit, they never change my life. I come here every Saturday as a you know, Sabbath day of worship. And I go home worse than I come see this man. Have you ever spoken to somebody like that? The second thing, this one is not exhausted. But this is the heartbeat of God. We need revival in personal witnessing. We need it. How can you pass through the university as a student and nobody knows you are born again, only going to fellowship and going to church and you go? No, you are in the campus on dual capacity. A Christian and a student. And you must pursue the two aggressively. God is weeping. Many of us are causing him to weep. The second area we need to talk about is what we see. Let's read the Bible and show you what it is. Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. Can you look at Joshua? Whenever I read this place, I say, how far? Joshua chapter 1. From verse 1. We read from verse 1. Now, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all these people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great sea, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong and of good courage. For unto these people shall thou divide for an inheritance the land, which I swear unto their fathers 
to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from me to the right hand or to the left that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. Verse 8. I will say there. This book of the law shall not do what? Depart out of thy mouth. But thou shalt meditate therein how many times? Day and night. That thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then, those of you running for prosperity, this is the only time it happens. Say, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. The second area we really need to look into our lives for revival is our personal Bible study life. I am sure Apart from the children, anybody that is up to 18 years here have carried this Bible for not less than 10 years. How many people sitting down in this chapel this night can say, I have read through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation? How many of us? You carry a book, you don't know what is the content. And that is why fake pastors are feeding on you. What you don't know, you cannot defend. When last, what is your personal Bible study life like? I'm not talking about opening Bible in the church. How do you feed on the word? You know, everything I see in the opposite religion, I bring it into Christianity. Last year, I was observing, you know, watching the grand finale of the national Quranic recitation by the Islamic world in Nigeria. Grand finale. And a young university undergraduate of about 18 years who took the first position and they get, I don't know how many millions of naira or dollar they gave these Muslim governors. This girl stood someplace and recited about 800 verses of the Quran. 800 verses of the Quran. The second one recited about 721 verses of the Quran. My worry is that all these young Christians jumping up and down, singing and dancing, what is the quantity of the word of God in you now? If we can pass this, this particular microphone now, say, can you stand up? Can you give us offhand? Your ten most cherished Bible quotations. I have take the microphone. How many people will survive here this night? It's a shame. What did Paul?
Paul tell Timothy? Can somebody read for me? Second Timothy 2 verse 15. Somebody. Second Timothy 2 15 from the congregation. Is anybody there to read? Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needed not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. Study. He didn't say read. I am in a enlightened congregation. When you read the Bible, don't joke with words. He didn't say read. There is difference between reading and studying. You need to sit down, concentrate, focus, and study to assimilate. He said, Timothy, you are, you are in a, congr- a city of Ephesus that is full of a lot of philosophies. Your own philosophical argument may not do you much harm. What you need to do to disarm these philosophers and false teachers, Timothy, sit down and do what? Study the world. Chew the world. Digest the world. I was reading a book recently by a Chinese missionary. The title of the book, what is the name of that book again? The Heavenly Man. The Heavenly Man. I came across two chapters. I just read that book a few, few months ago. It's a book of about two to eight 250 or 320 pages. But one thing struck me there, even as a bishop. There's this report the man was giving, a Christian book, a missionary, Sean Young. He said, because of the persecution then in China, early 80s and 70s, you can never travel with the physical Bible. Once the government sees you with Bible, you are landing in jail. And they invited a preacher to teach the church leaders. When they talk of church leaders, there's young, young people who gave their life to Jesus. And they were operating in what they call underground church. You know, when you have this freedom to worship God and you don't make the most use of it, these men that are worshiping underground in 12 midnight, no seat, no microphone, they sit down on bare floor and they worship. All of us are going to the same heaven. And look at the challenge. He said, this, this man came from America to talk to them. I said, he, I didn't know, according to his, I didn't know how he managed to come in with some Bibles. And all these Christian leaders, they were about 21 in number, none had a Bible. They were leaders. But listen to me. It's my challenge. I don't know about you. So when the man, they sat down on bare floor, he decided to give out the Bibles he came with. That was a, a, a very hilarious Jubilation that you can own a Bible. But something happened. 
He said the man miscalculated. He thought he was coming to talk to 18 people from America. He flew in to talk to 18 people joyfully. But when they sat down, they discovered they were 21. So he had only 18 Bibles. So he gave out the Bibles. I said, well, sorry, I don't know how it will happen, but I'll try. When I go back to America, I'll bring back three copies. Someone, you said a young girl among those that came for the training got up and saw the newest convert that came for the training went and gave her Bible to that young convert who came for that leadership training. And others were saying, what? Everybody in China is praying to have a Bible and you have one and you gave it out. The young girl said, don't worry. He needs it urgently. Me, I don't think it's a threat to me now. He said, why? He said, all the New Testament are in my head. All the New Testament, Matthew chapter 1 to Revelation 22, there we are. And the man said, true to her word, he said, a young girl that she's about 22, 24 years, true to her word, once the preacher said, can you read Ephesians chapter 5, we, let's have it together, the girl will stand up and read Ephesians chapter 5 and sit down without a Bible. He said, can you read First Corinthians chapter 13, it's the girl will stand up and read the whole thing without any problem. And my question to myself is, how many is in my head, even as a bishop? We are here making empty noise. What is the quantity of the word of God in you now? What is your personal devotional life like? This is what we call revival. It's not making noise and going. How many chapters of the Bible do you read a day? How many do you read in a week? Do you know that people who are Christians, some stay one, two, three weeks without personally reading the Bible? And I want to tell you something. Show me a Christian that has a clean Bible. You have seen a Christian who lives a dirty life. You understand what that means? Even if you like, use his soap to wash your hand before you read your Bible. It must be dirty. So if your Bible is so glistering every year, oh, this Bible, I bought it last three years, it's still very neat. Something is wrong with you. The Bible is not gotten to you so that it can become neat. Read the scripture. God told Joshua, this book of the law should not do what? Not just the power, but what do you do? Thou shall do what? Meditate, reflect, regurgitate it now and then. Go back to it. That's the way to survive this age that is fighting against true Christianity. If we are full of the word of God, no matter the preacher that comes to mesmerize you, once he says something that is contrary to the scripture, he says, excuse me sir, that's not it. 
It is written here. But today we have become gullible Christians. Anything any preacher utters with his word, we jump up. That's why I don't know whether I've watched that, that thing. It's, it's not a movie, it's a reality. In South Africa. <laughs> South Africa, last two years, a pastor came to church. I said, you know, there is difference between the power of knowledge and power of revelation. Revelation is current every day. As I was preparing for service last night, the Lord said, He gave me a new revelation that in the church today, He's going to feed you with a fresh menu. Somebody said, fresh menu, fresh menu. That's how they start. I said, now you obey your pastor, can you follow me? A church like this, doctors were there, lawyers were there, people that matter. The pastor was going outside and they were following him. And when they got outside, they said, the Lord told me that we should eat grass today. If you believe how it happened. Grass, grass, grass. Afifia. And men that came to church who supposed to know what the scripture said knelt down in the field and began to eat grass. When you become a Bible illiterate, that is the worst illiteracy a Christian can experience. Bible illiteracy is the worst illiteracy. The one that conducted celebrated deliverance in Kenya last year. Did you also see that one? He said he wanted deliverance for all the girls and all the ladies. And they have discovered that many girls and ladies don't marry easily in Kenya and they have disappointments. He want to deliver them. And one week to the deliverance day, he announced condition for the deliverance. Every girl and lady coming, no pant, no bra. In the church, what has pastor to do with your pant? No pant, no bra. At that point, if you know the scripture and have the Holy Spirit, can you not know that Satan has arrived? But that day I was surprised watching the video clip the church was filled to the brim, full of pantless and braless women. And the deliverance started. You know how he was conducting it? If it is your turn, you come. He will open your, your other blouse, suck your breast, two minutes this one, two minutes that one, and say, God told him that every demon tormenting women are in the breast. So he's sucking it out. Shout hallelujah. And they shouted. When you don't know the Bible, you become a spiritual fool. How can somebody say that nasty thing and you still go there and wait? And ladies were lining up. Educa- no, not educated ladies. Schooled girls. You know you can be schooled without being educated. Do you know that? Education affects every aspect of your life. But schooling can make you a doctor that is confused. In the area of medicine, you are schooled. But character, zero. Morality, nonsense. 
school. People lined up, sophisticated girls. And one useless man was sucking their breast in the name of deliverance. Because of what? What is written? And somebody read for us Matthew twenty two twenty nine. Matthew chapter twenty two verse twenty nine. Anybody there? Jesus answered and said to them, Yes, that's it. You are um, mistaken, not knowing not knowing the scriptures, nor the power of God. Yes. For his resurrection. Don't worry, that's all I want. Something was going on, an argument was going on about resurrection and divorce and marriage. And they came to test Jesus and said, look, excuse me, sir, every time you talk of resurrection, let's prove you wrong now. There was a man in a village, he married, and we have a culture that if you marry and you didn't have a child before you die, your brother will remarry your wife. That is how the culture, the custom of these Jews. He said, there is this man in a village. He married before he died without having an issue. His brother remarried the woman, died without an issue. Another remarried. He said, seven brothers married one woman. I said, excuse me, sir. According to your doctrine and teaching on Resurrection Day, whose wife will the woman be? Very intelligent question. And people might be clapping for her. And Jesus looked at him and said, My friend, you are mistaken and you are in error. Because of what? You do not know the scriptures. Nor the power of God. You are mistaken. A lot of false teachers are thriving and surviving where people don't know the scripture. What do you believe outside the scripture? How do you read? Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needs not to be ashamed. Right not casually, not wrongly, not deceptively, dividing the word of truth. When you study the word of God well, you can now have balanced Christian life. Somebody will not just go to New Testament, pick one thing, cancel Old Testament, and pick Old Testament, and you are jumping up and say, that's knowledge, that's revelation. No. Do you know that the Old Testament is New Testament concealed? And the New Testament is Old Testament revealed. They cannot contradict one another. But because we don't read the Bible, we don't study, we are becoming prey to wolves on the pulpit. Can you go back and say, God help me. I don't have hunger again. Some people can read a lot of trash on the internet. Some people can sit down and watch movies. Part one, two hours. Part two, two hours. Part three, three, two hours. How many hours? Six hours. And you are watching nonsense. How many hours did you study your Bible? A young girl. Genesis, I mean, Matthew to Revelation. Where? In her head. What is in your head now? 
all the newest nonsense music, all the movies everywhere. This is where we need to go back. God told Joshua, my friend, this prosperity message they are using to harass you is because you don't know the scripture. I tell it to everybody who cares to know, to a true child of God, prosperity, miracles and blessings are not privileges. They are entitlements. To a child of God. So anybody that is running around for prosperity, you are deficient somewhere. And that may be in the knowledge of the Bible. If you have a child and you are right financially, does your child, somebody will meet him outside and begin to mesmerize him how his school fees will be paid without struggle. But the father pays it comfortably once you are doing well in your character. And God said something to Joshua. If you meditate on this word, day and night, part one, part two, if you observe to do according to everything, not the detailed conditional obedience that is written here, he said, then you will make your ways how? Prosperous. What are we looking for? Prosperity. It is here. Go back to the scripture. You will see prosperity. And then you will have what? Their success was qualified. How? Which means not every success is a good one as far as God is concerned. You can kill and make money and they declare you financially successful. But is that a good success? It's not a good success. It's not a good success. Brothers and sisters, God is crying that we have abandoned the Holy Scriptures. We are now feeding our lives empty stories and fables of so-called men of God. We are being thrown overboard and confused because of problems of life. Every problem you confront in your life, the answer is in the Scripture. But who will read? Every challenge you have in your life is not new and peculiar to you. Somebody somewhere, somehow in the scripture have passed through that challenge. Can you read and know how that person survived? No time. No time to read the Bible. This is the challenge of our church and our time and our generation. We have relegated the scripture to the background. But God says, I should tell you, you are in error. You are mistaken in doctrine, in teaching, because you do not know what the scripture. And he gave us an injunction in John chapter 5 verse 39. Look at it. Now he has discovered that we are in error. Because we do not know the scripture. You look at John chapter 5 verse 39. I will read it now. It says. Such. What? The scriptures. Two words that are similar. Synonymous. Studying and searching. 
You know, there was this good program, you know, at times they do things that are good and after some time they throw that one and do useless ones. They place it with Big Brother Niger. There was one program they were doing, they call it the Ultimate Search. It's very educative. The Ultimate Search. You see the sacrifice, I'm talking demonstrating what search means. Those who watched that program when it was going on, you see the, the sacrifice, the pain, the endurance, the, the torture at times they have to go through because they were looking for something. That is what God said. You need to be disciplined. You need to deny yourself certain things, distractions and frivolities to study and find God in his word. Such the scripture. For in them you think you have eternal life. And they are they which testify of me. Scripture testifies of Jesus. Such the scripture. How do you read the Bible? You know, that this song we sing, we sing it in, it's an English hymn, but I like singing it in Igbo. Chineke Okugi, you know that song. What happens? Only the scripture brings light. Only the scripture brings light. Young person, how do you read? Papa, how do you read? God is looking at us. If a fact new age pastors, how many marrow Bible were they you don't know the scripture. Go ya gana obete. Go ya tati naira. Anele two five. They brought one lady to me some years ago when I was a venerable. And I looked at her. I said, what is it? She, she was the broad, they carried her. She couldn't stand again. She fainted. They brought her. And what was the problem? She married, she had married for about five years and they have not gotten an issue. So they started jumping from one ministry to the other. That's one sign of not knowing the Bible. Jumping. From one ministry to the other. Listen to me. Any problem you have, if you know the scripture, you don't even need men of God always. Study your Bible. Come here. Sit down. Cry to God. Go home. He settles you. Go to the church. Today I'm going to the chapel alone with God. Not all these boys saying, Boy, I need to punk. 
receive, receive. I put that shot on on a poster. Ne, neki, ne, neki, ne, neki. In Malaka, I see on a poster. I put a car up on it, neki. I have a set chin neck or game. Be a be a But you can a poster. Man of God, had Azafibo or Ephraim Jonathan. So that you don't trace Obodoha. Kedim Bafi Bobu abomination to a pastor on Yibo. Gribat Gringory. And I got They brought the woman. I looked at her. I, I had picture. I didn't know until they told me a story. I became annoyed. You a, 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 a preacher in our church, Anglican church. Did the thing. So, on behalf of the lady, I, I, I looked at her. I discovered that even from her private part, oye was flowing out. Oye, oye. And I asked the people, the husband and the mother that brought her, what is it? They don't know, they don't know. We went to a man of God and told her about five years of barrenness. And the man said, the problem is solved, the problem is solved. We need to buy five locusted bottles of olive oil. And you make sure you finish drinking the five in one week. Once you finish, the whole thing will be flushed out. You have your baby. And each bottle, four, five. And they bought. And she was drinking what I don't know, whether it's the oil or whatever. On the fifth day, she fainted. These are Christians in the church. What has drinking oil to do with settling your, you know, not, I don't call it barrenness, five years, honeymoon. Five years, but we always, why is it, why is it, oh, one year has passed, no child, what is the problem? As if you are God. So I looked at her, I said, you, where did this happen? And he mentioned one of our churches. Because when you talk of false preachers and pastors, ha, but I go kwa. Ni me chochai. Ne wayo. Ne wayo. They have nothing to tell you about second coming of Jesus. Or prosperity and miracle. But if you read third John verse 2, that's another place you see what prosperity should be if you know the Bible. The elder Paul, John, was saying, I will let Above all things. That thou may do what? Prosper. And be. Does it end? Or the end? This is about the modern confusing pastors. Because you don't know the end of the scripture. They will stop at thou shalt prosper and be held. They cut it off there. Not knowing that it is an equation. That your economic and physical prosperity are directly proportional to the pro- prosperity of your soul. That's the equation there. But they always hijack you because you don't know the scripture. Quote it, quote it, believe it. Isaiah 54 verse 17. Oh yeah, claim it, claim it. It's upon your head. 
You've never met Jesus one day. You are not a child of God. And they tell you to claim 54 verse 17 of Isaiah. No weapon. Fashioned against me shall. And every tongue that shall rise against me in judgment thou shall. And that's where you stop. Who told you? Oh yeah, now you were not a The last verse determines what happened. The last part of that verse. What does he say? This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, not every sinner. This weapon of cigarette is already portraying you. You finish fornication, I say, no weapon. There is no greater weapon than sinful immorality. But when you don't know the scripture, I say, claim it, claim it. They take you to Deuteronomy 28. I say, take it. You shall be the head all the time. You shall learn, not borrow. I say, because they will use cutlass and cut off verse 1. And start to jump up from verse 2. If you know the scripture, everything that happens from verse 2 to verse 14 are completely dependent on verse 1. And what does verse 1 say? It shall come to pass. If you had diligently hearkened to the voice of the Lord thy God, to obey all his commands and precepts, then all these blessings shall follow you and overtake you. But the condition is verse 1. So when you don't know the scripture, that's the second thing you need to revive your life in. Can you take a decision in this program? That from January, February 2020 to 30th December 2020, I must finish the scripture this year. If you have done it before, do it again. Do it again. There is no perfect knowledge of God. There is no perfect knowledge. It is renewed every day. New every morning is thy law. People of God, we really need to sit up. We have discussed two things. Have we? Number three. Let's look at something very important. Daniel chapter 6. Daniel chapter 6. Verse 7. All the presidents of the kingdom and the governors and the princes and the counselors and the captains have consulted together to establish a what? Royal statute and to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any God or man for how long? Thirty days. Save of thee, O king. He shall be cast where? Into the den of now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing that it be not changed according to the law of the meats and patients which there which altereth not. Wherefore King Darius signed the writing and the decree. Look at verse 10. That's where the matter is. Now, 
when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and his windows being open in his chamber towards Jerusalem. Come on, what did he do? He knelt upon his knees. How many times? In a and pray and give thanks before his God as he did other times. Brethren, personal prayer life is giving well here and there. That is the area we need to revive our personal prayer life. Some of us are public prayer warriors. Once we gather here now, noise everywhere. Pray, 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 pray. What is your altar in your room like? How many times do you pray in a day? How long? Satan is on assignment and his agents and cohorts 24 hours of the day and you don't have up to one hour prayer life in a day? You are playing with your life and your destiny. You are just playing. Something was established in Media and Persia. And you know in Media, once the king signs a thing, it is irrevocable. So say, they wanted to destroy Daniel. I said, whoever prays in this country, to any other God except the statue or Nebuchadnezzar or Darius, that person will be thrown where? Into the lions. <laughs> One thing I love there is the Bible didn't say, Daniel being ignorant of the decree. Is it what the Bible says? What does the Bible say? Knowing that this has been, the writing has been signed. He went home. You know, some of us said, let's do it with our number six. He said, no, praying to my Jehovah is not a matter I can hide. He opened his window. And the Bible said, he knelt down. How many times a day? Three times. How many times do you pray? Personal prayer. Listen to me. No matter how gifted a man of God is, there are battles that you must fight yourself. No matter who prays for you. Don't, don't make mistake about it. We need to revive her. How can you lie down by 8 p.m. and wake up by 7 or 6.30? What's happening? Do you know the spiritual equation that are being plotted between 12 midnight and 3 a.m. by Satan? When you wake up in the morning, you are just living the late day's life on a faulty foundation raised by Satan already. Because you cannot pray. You cannot pray. Even some of us forget prayer when we want to eat, when you are hungry. You are going for a job interview. Oh, it is about whom you know. Whom you know. You don't know who created those you know. It's period to all of them. How do you commit it to God? In prayer. 
Today you don't even pray with your senses again. You know, when we condemn one thing in Roman Catholic Church, we now make it Pentecostally right. You know, the angelus, they pray. Agwema. Angelus. Ekelera Maria. Ojupitara Nanka Nanka. We condemn it. Oh, Today, many pastors and denominations have developed prayers for you. You don't pray with your senses again. Some even say, on this hour, lay hand on this page, repeat this thing here. And many of us are following that trash. Another thing that is dying in our generation in this course of prayer, do you know in 21st century, many of you may dispute this one, the kneeling culture in prayer is dying. Are you aware? Kneeling culture in prayer is dying in our generation. You see boys, they put their hand in, in pocket. I say, God, can you hear me now? I come to you, bow your head, oh God, and look at me. I need to talk to you, Father. And they are putting their hand in their pocket, talking to their age mate. And this idea of praying and looking around as a kidnapper, where did he rise from? Let us pray that God will move in Enugu in a special way. Prayer doesn't need concentration again. When you close your eyes, everything about you concentrates somewhere, gathers somewhere, focus somewhere. Today, I tried the digital prayer. As if you were a tenth sense. Once you are praying, may I know if you are never in Achiwaka or the monsters or other chicken. Confusion everywhere. Now Anglican church. Well, I know this is a chapel, but I need to tell you this. There's what we, we use in our chapel. Maybe one day we will touch up you. Do you know what this is called? One do you know what the nila is used for? Let us pray. Everybody will. No, even when some of you come for Thanksgiving here. Yeah. And the priest inside said, let us pray. Immediately he said, let us pray. When we grew up in this church, you know, when you come for Thanksgiving with somebody, let us pray. Say, God, what is it? I'm here. No matter your argument, Bible says, and Daniel opened his window and knelt down. 
Yes, I pray standing up. Manonwe kanyenerwe. You kneel. We need to revive some disciplines in prayer that help us to honor God. Some of us toy yonye kagife. How do you do it? Make sure you forgive me. Bye. Catch you. See you. Okay. What do you do once you come? You kneel. I'm sorry, sir. Mommy, I'm sorry. Dad, I'm sorry. What I did last time, I provoked you. Bye, alone. I'm sorry. Forgive me. And God will look at you. Even when we say, let us confess our sins in penitence and faith. Firmly resolved to, let us pray. And look at God. Pray alive. Fight your battle. Kneel to pray. Develop a serious, consistent prayer life. Your children are under satanic monitoring. Only prayer can help them. Maybe if I remember it tomorrow, I will share something with you. But let me discuss the last point and we'll go. What I experienced one day, I see what simple prayer of not one hour, ten hours can do in your life and the life of your children. I went to a church to preach one year. And after preaching the next morning, I was still resting where they kept me in the hotel. And the woman rested there. I said, please help me, please help me. I'm in trouble. What is it? The little child. That shows you the level Satan has gone to. The child was in nursery three. A young girl. And they brought the girl. He said, sir, I saw what I've never seen before in my life. This is what I said. What happened? He said, this morning in my traditional way, I was dressing her, you know, looking at the pockets of her uniform and removing sand and that. And when I touched one of the pockets, I called her and I said, what is in your pocket that is so hard? The girl said, oh, mom, mom, hey, I forgot to, the biscuit my classmate gave me yesterday. Biscuit. People of God, Satan is on rampage. Don't take him for granted. Prayer diffuses his actions. But who is ready to pray? And now, why the woman just said, I think the woman is a medical doctor, a pharmacist that year. She just put her hand, you know, to say, ah, you didn't eat it, you no know, more now, it is not good, good for you again, let me remove it. And the, the biscuit, the supposed biscuit, the woman brought it out. And with shout of surprise, she dropped it on the floor. The three biscuits, as she pulled them out, were three Human fingers. Three fingers. Do you believe it? And the woman said, Who do you say? He said, My class, I don't know how finger entered my pocket. You see, he gave me biscuit. They collected the biscuit. The finger now went to the school. Church school, church. And went to the headmistress. I said, this is what happened. The headmistress said, ah, this is a serious matter. Ah, do you have such name? He said, yes. They went to Nazareth, brought the girl to headmistress's office, brought the class, the form teacher, whatever they called them. I said, 
Why did you give them yesterday? It's a biscuit. Not a tray. I'm talking of what prayer can help you do. What saved that girl was the mother told me. Anytime I drop her at the gate of the school, I just lay hand on her and say, May God protect you in Jesus' name. That was what did the miracle. You know the confession of the little girl in Nazareth. They when they went for a meeting, Nazareth, they were going meeting the mojo. And they wanted to initiate more younger girls. They gave them biscuits in the marine spirit to come and share in the school. And she gave her, it looks mistress. I handled the case personally. That's prayer help that woman. One minute prayer can save a lot of things in your life. When you enter your car to drive out in the morning, do you have time to say, Father, I commit my journey to you? One minute can diffuse a lot of disasters. But who has the discipline to pray? What is your prayer life? In a week, what is your fasting days? January to December, in a ring three times a day. Aroa de kwagi. Aroa de kwagi. Kikamadu dindu gesirini. January to December, ajoy zine. Adime meu fasted. Imam osama, osama. Ogo osagi. Ikori adobe, osama. Udafe ya nafoge. Unkabu nkem, unkabu nkai napuga. Reject things in prayer. Finally, finally, Mark chapter 1, verse 35. That's the last point I would pray. Areas we need revival. You know your own area. Mark Chapter 35, chapter 1, verse 35. Are you there? And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out. Who went out? And departed into a solitary place. And there, what did he do? This month, this moment. The last point is we need to revive our quiet time. Quiet time. It is dying. It is dying. Many of us survived even when, you know, one thing that persecution helped us to do, it kept us on our toes. Esom, let me say it in Hebrew. Esom nandine me quiet time na toilet. Because of persecution. Who are you to hear that beated by 12 midnight? It even go fire, fire, fire. That time you don't pray out. There was heavy persecution in our church, in our families, a lot of places. So you get up by 2 a.m., carry your torchlight, take your Bible, take your Bible, take your writing material, move to the toilet, close it there. Study your Bible, write down what God spoke to you that day, and begin to pray. 
to prepare yourself for the day. How many of us still observe quiet time here? When do you make out time to stay with God quietly? Jesus was observing it. He said, quite a great time before morning, he went to a solitary place. And there, he did what? He prayed, brothers and sisters, these are things that are dying that needs to be brought back if you will make it in this race. If not, see us, see Satan's instrument. See us, see disaster. See us, see calamity. Check your life. Personal witnessing, Bible study life, prayer life, and quiet time. Can you cry to God and say, Lord, take me back. Let's stand up to pray now. All I have said this night is for those who are born again. So if you are not born again, (laughs) you better check yourself. All I've said now is for everybody God has spoken to, including me. Because the kind of battle waiting for me, if I refuse to do any of these things, I am already in trouble. So if you're here and you're not genuinely born again, you better tell yourself the truth and surrender your life to Jesus before it is too late. Can we pray now? Let's stand and pray and go. Do something new. In my life, something new. In my life, something new. In my life, oh God, do something new. In my life, something precious. In my life. Something concrete in my life. Oh Lord. I have a leading now to pray a prayer. You've looked into your life. Yes, you're a Christian, no doubt. But your personal witnessing life has dwindled drastically. Your personal prayer life is in trouble. Your personal Bible study life needs a touch. Your personal quiet time is nothing to write home about. And we are talking about revival. Yes, you can pray where you are, but this is a step you can take now. Let's pray together here. Let's pray together. If in any of these areas of your life, you need revival. In my personal evangelism life, prayer life, witnessing life, uh, quiet time, Bible study life, you join me here. Let's pray together. I want you to pray. You are a Christian, but God wants to revive a lot of us. God wants to revive a lot of us. God bless you. Do something new. In my life, something new in my life, something new in my life. Oh God, sing it as a prayer. Do something new in my life, something new in my life, something new in my life. Oh Lord, one 
one more time. Do something. Oh yes, this is important. It's revival. Something tangible in my life. Oh God, do something new in my life. Something concrete in my life. Something powerful in my life. Oh Lord, because I know I cannot do without you. I cannot do without you. I cannot do without you. Oh God, I cannot do without you. I cannot do Without you, I cannot do without you. Oh God, can you take some three minutes to talk to our Father in that area? Oh God, revive thy works in the midst of the years. Ask God, Lord, give me back passion for soul, if that is your area. Lord, give me unquenchable thirst for studying your word. Make me uncomfortable until I read the Bible. That was our prayer those years. That's why the scripture, you know, we give you a sticker. That time you will have the one sticker that will say, no Bible, no breakfast. The other sticker will ask you, have you read your Bible today? When last did you preach the gospel to somebody on personal level? Can you say, God help me? What is your, you know, quiet time like? What is the quantity of the word of God in you? Can you pray? Pray for yourself. As you are praying, God is taking care. Tomorrow morning we will see the benefits of going back to God in revival. You will see this miracle you run around. We read the Bible tomorrow morning and we pray and you see things happen. But we must get it right first. If I give God my lifetime, Hallelujah, He will take care of me. He will never, never let me down. I will give God my lifetime, my lifetime. I will give God my lifetime, my lifetime. I will give God my lifetime if I give God my lifetime He will take care of me He will never never let me die 
a lifetime. Oh, yeah, when Jesus jigidem Papa Mo jigidem Oh, yeah, when Jesus jigidem Oh, so dear Oh, so dear Come now, Jesus, we want to dedicate ourselves to your sorrow. Jesus, we want to Jesus, Jesus, Thank you, Father. Summarize your prayer. You are stepping out from your seat this night. It's not for a joke. It's a humble presentation of yourself to God that we have come for revival. Lord, I cry to you this night, oh Jesus, offer through the heart of God is bleeding. The heart of God is bleeding. He said, children, what have I done? Why have you refused to stand where I want you to stand? Why are you ashamed to speak about me unto people in witnessing? Why have you opened yourself for Satan, rejecting my word? Can you come back to me that I will heal you? Come back to me, that's the cry of the Lord. I want to heal you, I want to restore you. I want to bless you beyond your expectation, but you need to come back where I met you before. My God, my God, my Father, we are here. My Father, help us. Help us. We have departed from where you kept us, where we met you in better. Jesus, the cares of this life have made us to depart from you. Revive us tonight, Father. Come! Sinners are perishing by our right hand and left hand. And we are doing nothing. God is weeping. God is weeping. Say, where are my children? Where are my children? Summarize your prayer this night. When you go home, take time to iron things out with God. Ah! Far be it from me that I will bring shame to God. Mm. Summarize. 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 In Jesus' name we pray. That a man should be stronger. In Jesus' name we pray. 
Lord, we come. We can no longer deny the fact that in so many areas we have failed you. Lord, we have not represented you the way you want us to. We have relegated the Great Commission to the background. Our prayer lives are in shambles. Our Bible study lives bring shame. Our quiet times have died. But thank you because you are a God of second chance. That in this end time you are recruiting end time armies. Reviving those that are complacent in Zion. And equipping them for the end time mission. Lord we pray tonight. As your children have come before you in humility and sincerity. In whichever area any of us needs revival. Jehovah from this night. Let there be concrete revival in the name of Jesus Christ. Or create a new hunger for soul winning in us. But we commit ourselves further in this prayer. That when we don't preach the gospel, when we don't pray as we ought to pray, when we don't, you know, observe our quiet time, Father, we pray this night, make us uncomfortable. Until we pray. Make us uncomfortable until we study the Bible. Make us uncomfortable until we witness to somebody. Make us uncomfortable until we observe our quiet time. Let there be a new injection of spiritual life. Make us aggressive believers. Lord, that we will shake this country and this generation with a vibrant witnessing life. In the name of Jesus Christ. Satan, we want to challenge you. Yes, we have slept for some time. But this night we are awake. We are taking back our position. Whatever belonged to us you were occupying before, we dethrone you tonight. We frustrate you tonight. We disown your activity tonight. We nullify your influence tonight. In the name of Jesus Christ. Father, come back to us. May we witness your glory again. May we exercise your power again. That through this revival, something new will begin to happen. In the area of witnessing, in the area of Bible study lives, in the area of prayer life, in the area of our quiet time, let something new happen in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, as we begin to do these things, release your miracles. Oh, as your children, we don't need to run around for miracles. When we position ourselves where you want us to be, you know our challenges. Now, because of this decision to come back tonight, I pray as your high priest. I pray as your representative. Anybody that is coming for this program with one kind of challenge or the other, as they step out of this chapel tonight, let there be divine intervention. As they get to their homes tonight, as you did it to Mary and the other women, they were struggling 
wondering who will roll out the stone. Not knowing that because they are where they ought to be, that the stone has been rolled away. Every stone that has been troubling anybody here, in any form, academic stone, financial stone, marriage stone, stone raised by children behaving unruly, this night, because you have taken decision to be revived, as you get home, those stones are rolled away. You shall look for them, you shall see them no more. The God of miracle will settle your matter. This revival must be all around your family. As your spiritual life is being revived, everything in your family will receive revival. Your finances will be revived. Your health will be revived. Your work will be revived. Your marriage will be revived. Your children will be revived. In the name of Jesus Christ. Whatever the enemy planted in your family or life, while you were sleeping spiritually, now you'd awake. Those things are uprooted. Thank you, Father. Because whatever you do is permanent, let there be unprecedented testimonies coming from this revival meeting. In Jesus Christ's name we have prayed. God bless you. God bless you.